Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a packed show for you today. We are reviewing a Netflix original film written and directed by Aaron Sorkin called The Trial of the Chicago 7. We are going to get you all caught up on big two weeks in movie news. And of course, we will wrap up with the schoolyard pick, which in honor of The Trial of the Chicago 7, this week is schoolyard pick of legal dramas. Let's do it. for joining us on another fabulous episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your wonderful co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and we had technical difficulties last week. Skype. 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 Right? Hashtag Skype. Hashtag, hashtag RIP Skype, <laughs> you loser. I guess I shouldn't be talking too bad about them because we're using them right now. You know what? Oh no, it's happening right, right now. Before this. You glitched just now, just What's a that? little bit. You glitched just now, just a little tiny mm. bit. See? Glitchy, glitchy. They're still after us. Glitchy. It's because I started talking trash. They're personally victimizing us, is what they're doing. <laughs> this is a personal and attack. And we're back. <laughs> but we're attacking them back. So we're at war with Skype. Right. I have no idea yep, how this th is going to go. They must be um, uh, listening to our every word. They listen to every conversation. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, we were trying to support them since Zoom took over the world, and Zoom did. Here they go. They're just Zoom they're just, just woke um, up one morning and was like, you know what? I'm going to destroy Skype. <laughs> it's oh, it's true. over for Skype. I'm just going to end them. And they you did. had this. I'm sure. I don't know what Zoom's team was before the pandemic. But uh, let's let's imagine a hundred, and now they're probably at ten million employees because they have to have that many to support the world zooming. It's insane. it's insane. Yeah, it's totally nuts. But we're still relying on Skype because of NDI and OBS and lots of other acronyms. It's ABCD. It's all very technical. I I don't like doing video. It's it's so <laughs> obnoxious. It's like this whole other skill set that I had to learn that I didn't want to learn. I was like. Fine being blissfully unaware of it, but here we are. Here we are. You act like you didn't want to learn, but you were reading passionately. No, don't cycle. Don't psychoanalyze me. Reddit Kirk. forums, and you're like, oh, I found this really cool thing. Out and I was of like, necessity. <laughs> you obviously. sounded so excited. So, don't imply that I enjoy this because I. That's hate a, it. I don't need to imply. <laughs> it. Those are the words that are coming out of my mouth. Fine, fine. Then be that way. No, it. Okay, maybe I enjoy it a little bit. Maybe I enjoy it. It's like a puzzle, okay? It's like, okay, this was my own little personal therapy session. You were like, no, here are your tendencies. That's right. Yeah, thank you for the self-awareness, Kirk. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, so yeah, Skype just totally chopped us down at the, at the shins last week. We were raring to go. We were feeling lively, feeling energetic. It was Thursday night. Tomorrow was Friday. We were feeling it. It was ready to go. And Skype was like, no. Not happening. Not happening today. Not happening tonight. It's over. It was cruel. It was a cruel, yeah. cruel joke. It was. We, But we are here now. And for those of you that are watching over video, um, no, I am not in solitary confinement or about to be interviewed by police officers. 
in this <laughs> purely white and gray room. I, this is actually where I'm sitting right now. This is history, Kirk. This is PFB Studios, as I'm calling it right now. Boom. This is a brand new studio, and it's actually hilarious to call it a studio because this room is waging war on acoustics mm-hmm. as we speak. It's like it's actually as if it was designed as the worst possible room <laughs> for acoustics because right now there's no furniture in here. It's empty. It's just my desk and me. Mm-hmm. It has hard floors, hard yes. walls, and a giant egress window for sound to just like kind of ping pong around in there. Yep, yep. So yeah, it's it's an uphill battle right now, but you know what? We're here. We're going to get some soundproofing. We're going to get some maybe some rugs. I don't know. Yeah. And we're going to make it into a legit studio. Ryan's going to help us do that. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful in there. There's a picture on the, the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Uh, go check it out. That's exactly yes. where Cameron is sitting right now. It's right very empty. Minute. Yeah, people, whenever I do like work conference calls, they're always like, what's happening? I think one of these days I'm just going to wear like an orange jumpsuit <laughs> so that people... <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I'm a felon now. I'm, I'm, I can still work virtually, they said, oh, but I, gotta, I have to stay in here. you got to get it by Friday. That, that, that's your Halloween costume. Oh, you know? that would be funny. Oh. That's not gonna happen. I'm too lazy for that. I'm too lazy. <laughs> I'm going to order but, it yeah. right now. On you know, actually, I, um, I went at, we had a, so before pandemics ruined everyone's lives, we, uh, my wife and I, would have a yearly Halloween party for me and my college friends. And we always themed it. And one year we did Harry Potter and it was awesome. It was our best theme ever. Like we went all out on the decorations. And I was actually, I was Sirius Black from the Prisoner of Azkaban. And so I had, I still probably have that police like, or the jailbird like jumpsuit with the stripes. I could probably rock that on Friday. You should. You 100% should. That would be a good one. I also have a sign that says, like, his prisoner number and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. And, like, the have you seen this wizard. It's, it was very elaborate. I think it's the perfect time to bust it back out. Could be. Are you, are you doing anything for Halloween, Kirk? Are you dressing up? No, no. Uh, much to my son's chagrin. Yeah. He, uh, so Aubrey and I are... are um, you know, like if it's for work and I have to dress up for for work, I'm excited. I'll, I'll put a costume together. But as no, you, far, let me, let's let's back up there. If it's yeah. for work, you go all out. You go I've hard. Personally, oh. witnessed it. You no, you personally, Chris. Yes. You go ham. <laughs> I do, I do. I try. What have I been? I've been. Um. Uh. What's the What's the guy's name? You were the You were the Red Baron Snoopy one yes. year, and that <laughs> was incredible. You yes, had the doghouse. I was like, what in the world? What's the oh the guy from the Allstate commercials? Um, Mayhem. Mayhem. Yes, that was a good one. That was a fun one. So yeah, I like to I like to uh, you know excite people with the the really tricky, um, unique costumes. But as far as going like as a family, we're not on that level yet. Uh, yeah. People people some people have the time to do that. No, no, we do not. So uh, my son would love for us to have like a full family costume, and I. I guess I'm just the stereotypical father disappointing him. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you're fi- you're fulfilling that fatherly disappointment. That's good. That's, that's just right. expose yeah. them to that early. It's uh, it's better that way. No, yeah. So we last year we had a '90s theme Halloween party and we did a group costume. Um, oh, was that last year? No, last year was celebrities and we did not do a group Halloween costume. But when Marshall was first born, we did a Jurassic Park 
group costume and he yes, was yes. John Hammond and it was hilarious because he's a baby and yes. babies and old men are like pretty similar in general. So that was pretty good. Marshall is convinced because he's Buzz Lightyear this year. Yes, he And is. he has told me repeatedly that I am Woody, that I am being <laughs> Woody for Halloween. And I was like, listen, bud, me and your mom, we're not dressing up this year. We don't have a party to go to. Like we are going to dress up in coats and layers and, and walk you around the neighborhood but we are not, I'm not going to be Woody. She, he thinks my wife, Jackie is being Rex. Like he's got this whole thing planned out. <laughs> so talk about disappointment. That's going to hit hard on Halloween. I tell him every day. I'm like, Hey, just a reminder, we are not dressing up for Halloween. Okay. Saturday he's like, night, no. Yeah. You're going to be Woody. Like yeah, you're going to be Woody. Saturday night. There's going to be a meltdown. It's like, all right, let's go. Where's your costume. Yeah. Where's what? your costume? You're Woody. Yeah. Uh, we've we've told our kids repeatedly every time they ask we tell them no but they're a little, they're a little bit older so they get it you know just yeah. just barely just barely but no not my two year old he's like no that's that's happening I think what we should do um, is have like all of the the kids so uh, you and and your siblings and all the married ins go as something it doesn't have to match the other kid the actual children but we yeah. should all not tell anybody and then just show up when there's no pandemic all together, right? And then just be whatever that's supposed to be. I don't know what. Ooh, I like that. Was. Maybe it's Scooby-Doo. Maybe, uh, maybe it's the kids. It's, uh, it's you know, Fred and, and uh, all of them. But yep. there needs to be something like that. That'd be fun. I like it. That'd be good for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think the main problem is that not to be like kids these days, like an old man, but seriously, my son has everything at his fingertips. I think your yes. kids are the same way. It's just the way of the world these days. Like my, my son was like, hey, Nana told me that when you were a baby, you used to watch Snoopy Come Home. And I was like, yeah, I did. I used to watch Snoopy Come Home. He was like, we should watch that right now. And I was like, we're <laughs> not going to be able to find that. Punched it in, boom, there it was. I was like, this oh. is just dumb. He just thinks like anything in the world can be his. That's why he's like, no, you're going to be Woody. Like he's speaking it into existence because that's mm-hmm. like how his world works. Yeah. It's like in Captain Marvel when she's choosing her, her suit colors on her little wristband. And she, she asks, um, uh, the, the little one, what's her name? Um, Captain, oh, yeah, Lieutenant trouble, Lieutenant trouble. She's like, Oh, tell me what color do you like? Beep, 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 beep. That's what he thinks you have. That you can just be like, <laughs> yeah, right, no, yeah. He's just like Woody today. Right. He knows no bounds. He's just like, oh no, this is not a problem, right? Like I'm because I said it, it's gonna be a thing. That's how things work. Right. So maybe this will be his first healthy dose of reality. And and I for that I I'm happy to oblige. Yes. Uh, through all the tears <laughs> and screaming, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Halloween will be ruined. Um, yeah, so we got Halloween coming up. We've got an election coming up. I'm gonna stay far away from that. Mm-hmm. Super far. Like like thirty nine and a half foot pole. Are you gonna stay far left or far right? No, don't even, don't start <laughs> it. I'm not even gonna okay. do any of that. Here's here's what I will say because we are a movie podcast, so let's just yes. address the elephant in the room, okay? I'm and I we haven't even talked about this, but I'm just gonna say it right now for both of us. Mm-hmm. Borat two is out. It is it out. Is. Lots of people are watching it. I have not gotten a chance to view it yet. I plan to. Um, we're not talking about Borat 2, and here's why. Because, even though it is a huge deal, right now is not the right time for us to talk about that movie, because it is politically charged, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, 
but things are a smidge tense on the political front right now. And that's not what we're about as a podcast. Like we try to, Kirk and I have many conversations about trying to provide positivity and distraction from the chaos that surrounds us and things like that. And so we're just going to stay away from politics altogether. We're just going to avoid it. That's right. And we so, don't we don't know enough about politics. No, and we know we know nothing. We're there, no. Therefore, we're not going to talk about them because we'll exactly. just get it wrong. Uh, we believe in them, but we're not. We are going to vote. Yes, we're going to vote. We're going to fulfill our civic duty, but yes, we're going to stay away. And we'll talk so, about movies about politics. There you go. Yeah, and maybe we can talk about Borat at a later date. In fact, maybe I'd be I'd be happy to. But in twenty. 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah when things have cooled down a little bit there's just a, i don't know if you noticed there's just a little bit going on with the pandemics and the wildfires yeah. and yeah we're just gonna we're gonna let it go all right hey uh nice dragon ball z shirt before we keep going thanks man i'm repping the dragon ball z just saw it peek up above the camera just had to say dude nice here's stuff. how long it has been for perspective because we didn't get to record last week which would have been our normal our new normal in the pandemic our two-week interval in the two weeks or two and a half weeks that we've had since our last episode i have watched all of dragon ball super which is like i think 10 seasons of 13 episodes watched all of it i watched all of godless i watched all of um unbelievable and I'm now, I've watched all season one of The Wire again, because I'm watching The Wire. Had to catch up before <laughs> you keep going. Yep. I've watched The Trial of the Chicago 7. I've watched Molly's Game. I've oh. watched The Social Network again. I'm like on a full oh. Aaron Sorkin kick right now. Me too. And you're watching The Newsroom. I am. Dude, I'm like crushing through stuff right now. It's great. I, I don't know. How, I feel like I have way less time in my life, yet I am still watching just as much, if not a little bit more, than I have before. I don't get it. My time has shrunk. But yeah, you just I, stay up later. That's what I've been doing. I, I just turn the <laughs> dial up. <laughs> just like, oh, play six more episodes. Yes, please. Yeah. What, it's three in the morning? Eh, I could probably squeeze in two more. What's I'll two more nap. between I'll friends? I'll take a nap at 9 p.m. the next <laughs> night. Recharge. Yeah, and as a result, I look like hell. Like, I <laughs> legit have, like, bags <laughs> under my no. eyes. I'm like, like, I'm dying. But it's okay. This is Cam. You look quite dapper tonight. Oh, thank you, thank you. As yes. I as I comb through my hair, um, but no, I, I I'm feeling it. I uh, this is my coping mechanism. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just gonna stay up later and pretend that responsibilities are not a thing. How's that sound? Bingo. Yep. Okay, let's do this. What's popping? Let's pop it up because there are some things, Kirk, to talk about. Yes. First of all, and perhaps most hilariously of all of our stories, rest in peace, Quibi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Who indeed. was laid to rest tragically and with, with almost no noise whatsoever <laughs> six months after its launch. <sighs> Kirk, do you have any, any parting thoughts for Quibi as, as we turn this page on this chapter of our lives and of content on the whole. Yeah, I remember, you know, Quibi launched with three free months of their services. Three free months. 
So they were only really in business for 30 days, and they spent so much money attempting to reinvent everything. Um, Yes. Perhaps they could have done it with better content or different content. I don't know. I don't think that what they did was smart at all. And and their content sucked. They had terrible, terrible shows. It I was bad. I think that's worth them. noting. It it was bad. The content was bad. It was not good. The best one that I felt was the Will Forte comedy uh, show where he was like him and his wife were like interior designers, and somehow they ended up with the Mexican cartel. Hilarious. It was actually pretty good. Um, but even that, it just it just drug along sometimes, and then you could tell they're like, how do we fit this in the format? not writing a story that would just work. I don't know. So It was just a flawed concept. It was just a flawed yep. concept that people wanted short-form content. I think people do want short-form content, but only in only a specific kind of content, yeah. like the kind of content that YouTube provides, like things that are educational, funny, you know, things that are a little bit more down-to-earth, a little more grounded. I don't even know how to really quantify the kind of content that YouTube provides, but they don't want 10 minute episodes of a series because that just is weird and it doesn't work. It requires all of your focus too. So like uh, YouTube influencers, they're, they're doing silly pranks or they're singing songs or they're opening gifts or they're running yeah, a unboxing, podcast. reviewing stuff, or like talking about something that's happening. Yeah, you can, to your point, you can be watching it, and then if it's your stop on the subway, you can put it in your pocket and keep listening to it on your AirPods or whatever. You know, it's like a very malleable, mindless sort of experience. Yep, yep. And anything other than that has to be a half an hour, uh, so... <laughs> Yes, because because you need in, in a in a TV show and even half an hour shows that deal with any sort of dramatic subject matter feel very short because you have to have momentum and you have to have flow and every dramatic show that I watched on Quibi was a disaster from that standpoint. Oh. It just never felt it always felt awkward and strange. Um, Terrible. And you know they're they're blaming the pandemic, which is fine. You know they have to cover their butts like. And they have to tell their investors something, but let's be honest, like that thing just never had legs. It just never did. If anything, it should have been the best thing to come out of the pandemic <laughs> and it failed. So yeah. rest in peace, Quibi. Rest in peace, Quibi, till we see you again, which will probably be never. Never. Um, but it will be a fun thing to reminisce about years from now. I think oh, yeah. it was it was funny before it even started. Like you we all knew. We all knew. We were like, oh, this is this is going to be terrible. It's going to crash and burn, and it predictably did. And now we all can continue to laugh at it for you know <laughs> years and years and years. Yes. So that'll be fun. Okay, now on to some real news <laughs> besides like Quibi, which was inevitable. Dexter is coming back in a limited capacity to Showtime. That's right. Dexter, which is a show that is widely believed to have one of the worst endings in all of television, is coming back for a second chance and for redemption. Yes. Kirk, are you a Dexter fan? I am. I've watched every episode. And so I've watched the first two seasons of Dexter. I did it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, actually, Jackie got spoiled on it. 
on what happened. And so I stopped watching because I knew that she knew something. And so I didn't feel like I could watch it with her. Wait, do you know? Uh, do you know what happens? I know now. I finally asked oh. her. Um, so, yeah. It, and it wasn't that big of a spoiler. <laughs> Actually, I was like, oh, I kind of wish I would have kept watching. But anyway. Wait. Are you someone who hates the ending of the show? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Is it bad? It's awful. So I started watching the series after it had already after it had already ended, and after the buzz was out there that it it, it was ended so poorly. And I'm like, nah, you know, people have weird expectations. They don't understand the story or the characters. You know, I'm yep. like, please, I'm an expert. So I was like, I'm watching this. I love it. I'm going for it. And I get to the end, and I'm like, this stupid show. What were they thinking? <laughs> I thought. <laughs> The exact same thing. You know, when you have a resounding everyone hates you, um, like to that level, to that nth yeah. degree, it's really bad. Like it's it's just it's a really bad ending. But I will say even the last season is still good. Um, it's just mm. the final episode, the last, let's say, episode and a half. Terrible. Just awful, awful, awful. Yeah. Can't, can't say anything worse about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a good what ten years now, probably since Dexter was on the air. Oh yeah, um, it probably ended in twenty eleven or twenty twelve. So yeah, we're we're okay. rounding the corner on that for sure. Yep. Yeah, so it's been a while. I mean, Michael C. Hall's coming back. He has to. It's um, he's the guy. He's he's the lead character. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, what, are you are you excited about this as someone who watched the full show? Are you like? eager for a chance of redemption or have you turned your page on that? I am eager for it because there are roles that are just made for people. And this is hundred percent. This is Michael C. Hall. I don't believe I've seen him in anything else that I was like, good job, Michael C. Hall. I think other things I'm like, mm, not, not your best, not your best. So I mean, I, if they can turn this around after this little 10 part series to go full force back into a, another run like Will and Grace did, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Then let's then let's do it, because uh, I think they can easily fix what was wrong, that how they ended. And uh, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Dexter. Cool. Well, that's exciting. I think a lot of people generally are are pretty excited about that one, and it's good. You know, like we talk about it sometimes. Fan service is good in small doses. It's it's good to like acknowledge something and say like, hey, we're gonna go back and do that. We we have an opportunity. We have interest. People want to see it ending in different ways, so we're gonna go give them a different ending, and hopefully they get it right this time. We'll mm -hmm. see. All right, yep. next up, a couple of interesting. Uh, casting stories in the superhero world and just overall like good interesting news stories in the realm of superheroes first off this dropped yesterday moon knight so there is a disney plus series mcu series about moon knight um who's a very cool superhero if i'm just giving my opinion just a very slick cool superhero with a great look and one that has a lot of style. And Deadline is reporting that Oscar Isaac has been cast as Moon Knight, which is a huge, I mean, just like a banner casting for the MCU who has played it pretty, I mean, generally conservatively when it comes to the MCU shows. I mean, there hasn't been like, Whoa, amazing casting. Like Tatiana, uh, Tatiana Maslany was probably the biggest casting news 
in She-Hulk, and so I feel like this is a this is a big story, and perhaps for a character that I just didn't really think they would go that big on. What are your what's your reaction to this casting, Kirk? That's great. Uh, the the way you describe it is perfect because we we have a lot of actors who are big names. Some or a lot of the reason they're big names is because of their work in the MCU. They right. were they were known actors, but then they really exploded. Versus like Tatiana, who was had a big passionate following, a list following because of her recent work, and then she just signs on to something. So there's a, that that's where that that difference comes in. Oscar Isaac has a very passionate large following, and it's very fascinating to see them do do this now instead of previously as the other MCU movies have come out. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's. I still think that you know Oscar Isaac, he's he should be a household name. But he's not, and I feel like this will introduce him to so many more people that don't understand the wonderful work that he's done and exciting things that he's done. They'll go back and watch all that cool stuff, um, unless they haven't seen Star Wars because they're living under a rock. And I've lost my train of thought. I just think it's very cool. It's a great introduction for people to him. But yeah, his star power and, and the star power that's been coming in with these new castings is super exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I've always been the kind of person who holds Oscar Isaac in a bit of higher regard than the average person, I think, just because I watched a lot of the films that he did when he was a budding indie film star and, you know, Inside Lewin Davis and A Most Violent Year and uh, Ex Machina. You know, he's he's done incredible things. He's a great actor. And then when he got cast in Star Wars, I was actually one of the people who was like, wow, that seems like a small-ish role for him. And even still, I think he, it finished off as a pretty small ro- role for an actor of his caliber in coming. So I agree. I think this is an opportunity to expose him to more people because of the, the reach of the MCU is really unmatched in entertainment right now. Everybody is a part of it. It's a cultural movement. It is something that really defines, you know, where entertainment is right now. So this will expose him to new people. It's an interesting character choice. Um, and, and the reason I say that is I feel like he has the right. So for those of you who are not familiar with Moon Knight, Moon Knight is a Deadpool-esque character in terms of his um, quips. You know, his oh. he like... He is witty, he is quick, he's a little bit vulgar, uh, for sure, and the Moon Knight comics are pretty violent, uh, there's some language, things like that. Um, he's not Deadpool in the sense of like just like pure humor, but he is a funny, like sarcastic kind of character. And so I'm interested to see, first of all, I think Oscar Isaac really has that skill set. He will be able to deliver on that front. But... The question still remains, how is Disney going to approach characters like this? You know, characters that are a little bit on the violent side, or maybe a lot of it on the violent side. Characters that are crude in nature, that use, you know, that drop F-bombs and, you know, are are just not the clean-cut Captain America, Iron Man type hero. And, you know, for a Disney Plus series, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they, at some point have to make a Deadpool movie. I know they know that. I know they're working on it. Um, But it does make you wonder, like, how are they going to do this under the Disney banner? And maybe this Moon Knight show will be the first time that we see it. Um, 
And if it's just straight nerfed down to PG-13, I think that that's going to be okay. I think people will be upset with that. Um, and they can figure out how they're going to cross the R bridge with Deadpool and kick that can down the road. But it is something to keep an eye on, I think, because Disney does have to figure out how they're going to answer for that. Maybe you just called it, Cam. Maybe this will be the first TVMA series on Disney+. Plus. On Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Man, I just like... I don't know. I don't know that I see Disney Plus crossing that line on a platform that has Disney in the name. Mm-hmm. Maybe know? they go TV 14. Maybe they start TV 14. Mm. I think they could. The Mandalorian is TV 14, and it's a little bit grittier. It's not by any means... It's not know. graphic. You know? It's not graphic. It's not Judge Dredd. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? But it's it's a little bit grittier. It's got some violence. It's got, you know, some subject matter. But uh, it, it is a question of mine. And it's a concern of mine because the Deadpool movies, frankly, are good and would be worse as PG-13 films, in my opinion. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But my overall review of this casting is it's great. It's spot on. And I'm very excited about it for sure. All right. Moving right along to more superhero casting news, more like recasting. Um, Jared Leto Joker is back in the Snyder cut, <laughs> which like, this is such a curveball to me, man. This, this one hit me. I don't know why I was not expecting this because it's such a Zack Snyder DC thing to do to just like, throw everything in the kitchen sink into this new cut of this movie. But honestly, the last thing that I saw happening was Jared Leto coming in to record new scenes for this movie. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't even really know how to react to this one. What are your thoughts? Dumb. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Uh, did you text this to me or did I, did, did, did I find out when you put it on social? Cause I feel like I had some words to say. About yes. how dumb this was. I think you found out on social because okay. your reaction was pretty visceral. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you were just like, no, Why? stop. You're basically the Michael Scott gif. <laughs> no! <laughs> Why? Like, it, it, was, was it contractual that they just like couldn't get out of? That, like, just pay him whatever he wants to make him not be the <laughs> on screen. So again? I don't think so. Um, Man, I'm I'm at a loss on this one because there's a couple of thi- there's a couple elements at play here. First of all, the only film that the Jared Leto Joker appeared in was the David Ayer Suicide Squad movie yes. that sucked, yes. terrible, and he got pretty limited screen time in that movie for a, a Joker. You know, Joker is a huge character, and he got pretty limited screen time. A lot of his scenes got cut. Mm-hmm. That movie got just totally rolled by critics and fans alike. And then they're remaking it as the Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. Jared Leto is not in that film at all, um, to our knowledge. And so this just feels like a really odd choice to like, hey, you know what we should dig up? The Jared Leto Joker for the Snyder (laughs) Cut. Because he was not originally in that Justice League movie, correct? Unless I'm remembering. He was not in it at all. So nope. this is just puzzling to to me and why and also maybe they're going to kill him but you close the loop on that hey. one bring him I mean I don't I don't know I'm at a loss here this is really odd and the Snyder cut 
like it or not, is must-see. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> must-see because this just getting weird. It's going to suck. Hey, what if they, to, to your point of saying killing him, what if they brought him into the Flash movie and they brought multiple Jokers and then they, <laughs> they had the other Jokers kill him? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, you know what? We don't, we don't agree with you and just like off him. That'd be great. Well, yeah, and, and that would be amazing. I would pay any amount of money for that. I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> but also, he like threw a huge fit about the Suicide Squad and his scenes being cut and wanting to play the Joker again. He threw a huge fit when Joaquin Phoenix got cast in the Joker movie. Um, and the reason I say that is that if it got to the press, then that means he was making a point of it to get to the press that yeah. he was not you know, happy with it. So this is odd. I don't know what DC feels they owe Jared Leto. I don't know what he feels he has left to bring to this character. It's just odd. It's just very odd. I think he just must have dirt on someone that is just astronomical. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Jared, Jared Leto, like, gets roles. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's an Academy Award-winning actor, and he for a while there had his pick of the litter when it came to roles. So I don't understand like why this is something he's even interested at this point. And to me, it feels like DC is just like the Snyder cut is for all the crazy DC fans who like liked the crappy DC movies. And so they're like, let's just crap it up. Maybe. I don't know. Like, cause, cause who is the Snyder cut for? It's for people who are still hanging on to the DCEU. Like That's it's right. four people who liked Batman versus Superman who would defend it. It's four people who maybe didn't like the Suicide Squad but didn't hate it. That's to me. That's the only group that's really interested in this. Yeah, every one of you uh, knows someone that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> Kyle McFlargan. That's him, man. He <laughs> loves that crap. Yeah, exactly. You, you know the name. It's on the tip of your tongue. Legally, I can't say it here. Um, but you, you, you all know that person. And if you don't, <laughs> I got bad news for you. It's you. It's you if you don't know a person. so <laughs> Because to me, and I don't want to harp on this for too long, and you're right, there, there is someone who comes to mind always with this, with this stuff. But it's like, to me, I watched that Justice League movie. It was very bad. And I like, for what it's worth, I like Zack Snyder as a director. I think he's done some great things. I think he's done some things that I don't like as much, but the, I could say the same about any anybody, really. And I didn't watch that movie and then go, man, you know, I wish they would take another crack at this with just <laughs> Zack Snyder. <laughs> like, I just didn't. I was like, okay, that was terrible. Let's move on. Like, So I'm just wondering who those people are who are like, oh, man, if Zack had gotten a chance to do the whole thing, this would have been sick because it was nowhere close to sick. It was nowhere close to redeemable. I mean, the fact that they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of reshoots is not super surprising to me because it was a dumpster fire of biblical proportions. It was <laughs> yeah. so bad. Yeah, it's uh, and in a world where um, you know movie theaters might not return, what a w right. absolute waste of money this would be. <laughs> I know it'll be interesting to watch. I, I'm I can't wait. 2021, we'll see what happens. Snyder Cut. It's going to be a wild ride with all the stuff that they're throwing in. AKA hot garbage. Also, didn't they say it was going to be like four hours and released in an episode format or something like that? Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> this is just getting crazier by the second. They're, by the time this is done, it's going to be 10 hours 
and they're going to release like one episode every year. Yes, uh, yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> it's just going to be an odyssey. Um, okay, more DC news. This is really exciting, especially for you, Kirk, because one of your all-time faves, Mr. Michael B. Jordan, is going to produce a Static Shock movie. And it is as if somebody has been reading your dream journal, Kirk, because <laughs> if there are two things that I know about you, it's that you love the old WB cartoon superhero shows, Static Shock included, Yes, and you love Michael B. Jordan. So Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you. And to you, I know you, you are a big fan of both yes, as well. I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, what a gift, man. I The only bummer is that he won't be Static Shock because he's too old. <laughs> he is which, too old. Which is, which is good. I'm glad they're. I'm glad they're acknowledging that, though. It's true. Um, I can't remember if I put it on social or not, but uh, there. I definitely have some people who could be cast. Um, either one of the little, uh, the little, either one of the young men who play uh, young Randall on This Is Us, extraordinary actors, and I would be mm-hmm. so pumped mm-hmm. if either one of them or both of them played different ages of Virgil in Static Shock. Yes, that would be good. I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be good. Static Shock is underrated for sure. Um, I think Static Shock is one of those heroes that it was something that was like a part of our childhood, but I think will really resonate with with people today still. I think it's actually like, it, it's funny because like to us, it's like something that was a part of our childhood, but newer kids today like probably don't know anything about it. It's like weird in that way. Like it's very specifically targeted toward a very small window in time. Mm -hmm. And people who were around and watching cartoons at that time, like emphatically love Static Shock. Like I don't know anybody in my friend group who didn't watch it and like it. And so I feel like there is an opportunity to introduce that to like Gen Z or or whatever the generation behind them is and be like, check this out. This This is a cool hero for you. Yeah, great point. I feel like it almost felt like it was a fad, that show, or maybe the network thought it was, but man, yes, it was yes. a home run. Just like Batman Beyond. They were cranking out some great stuff during that time frame. It's true. You know, it was right around the same time. Those types of shows that were like on the frills of all the big stuff were yeah. were so they were so good because they were so experimental. And they took like these huge fun risks, and that's why they'd be. That's why Static Shock will be so great, and Batman Beyond, one day will be equally as great. So yes, yeah, dude, we're for sure getting Batman Beyond. I'm gonna keep speaking into existence because the pace that we're on, like I never thought we were getting Static Shock anything, and we got that. Yeah, Batman Beyond is a foregone conclusion at this point. It's just a matter of time. That's right. And they better do it right. They better do it right, and it better be awesome. Just saying. It will be. Um, okay. A couple of different stories here. Got some casting news. Got some new movie announcement mo- news. Um, first one, this one's a bummer, and I just wanted to bring it up. Jeff Bridges announced on Twitter that he's actually been diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, he, in, in total Jeff Bridges' fashion, uh, you know, just kind of like, took a very like blase nonchalant approach with it and was just totally in the I'm going to kick cancer's butt kind of mood. And it sounds like the prognosis is good, which is great to hear. Um, and he seems to, I mean, from the tweet seems to be in good spirits and he kind of always is. So 
uh, just wanted to say that so people know and so that they can send good vibes and prayers and all that good stuff to Jeff Bridges and his family because cancer is just god-awful and nobody should have to go through it. So, um, yeah, just something to keep on your hearts as we as we move forward. And I love Jeff Bridges. He's yes. incredible, like the best. He's so good. His vo- I, I say this in complete seriousness. His voice will destroy cancer have have you heard <laughs> the richness of his voice uh if you if you go back and watch any film he's done from the start of his film career to now it's only been building like like a muscle you know sometimes you see you see actors they build their body up right he has built his voice up it, it's just it's unmistakable and yes it, it's it, epic if any voice could cure cancer, it is Jeff Bridges' voice. Just go listen to a clip of his like Oscar acceptance speech. It was just like this. This is his voice. This is insane. Give <laughs> this him is every his award. actual speaking voice. Oh man, he's such a. He just seems like such a good guy. And yeah, I, I think I think he'll get through it uh, by his by his tones alone. Yeah, we'll speak it into existence as well. We're gonna we're gonna keep Jeff Bridges in our in our thoughts and definitely his family too. So mm-hmm. get better, Jeff. We're all. We are all behind you there. Um, some more movie and casting news. Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman director, are pairing up again to create a Cleopatra film. Cleopatra, oh. which is an interesting role because it was last filled iconically by Elizabeth Taylor. That's right. Um, who had a Cleopatra film. Have you seen that movie? I've never. I've never watched it. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> well, here, let me say this. It's extraordinarily long. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's extremely long. And it's not bad, but it's just, like, not nearly entertaining enough to keep your attention for, like, three-plus hours. Um, so hopefully this will be better than that. But are you excited about a Cleopatra film? Or are you like, meh? What are your thoughts? Well, if the first one is so terrible, yeah, let's take another swing at it and let's see if I would rather watch that one. <laughs> Gal Gadot's pretty much perfect for this, by the way. She she yeah. can rock this. Sure. I know she can. And Patty Jenkins is a great director, so this is good. I, I think it's good for them to pair her again because I feel like, and Gal Gadot is a good actor, but what Patty Jenkins unlocked in her for the first Wonder Woman film was awesome. And if I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the same in Wonder Woman 84, but if she can continue to kind of lock that, you know how directors and actors kind of like link up Mm -hmm. like Jeremy Strong and Aaron Sorkin (laughs) weirdly, but you know, like they link up and then they kind of like spend their careers together. Like this could be one of those pairings. This could be one of those power duos. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be a really wonderful thing to watch blossom and flourish um they work well together that's unmistakable yeah and speaking of more casting news and power duos director david o russell who is famous for directing the fighter uh, american hustle silver linings playbook what else am i missing joy joy um one of his recurring stars and faves christian bale is pairing with him on a new movie, and that cast also includes Margot Robbie and John David Washington. Hello. Yes, that's big time. Those are big names and really, really good actors. Uh, the project is unnamed. We don't know what it's about. Mm-hmm. But 
frankly, Kirk, I'll speak for myself. I don't need to know. I don't need to know <laughs> what it's about. I'll, if I could buy tickets now, I would. Yes. Um, we'll see this movie in 2025, I think. And yes. the anticipation have, will kill us. Have we seen... Have any of these people overlapped at all, ever? Hmm. Not John hmm. David Washington. He's fairly new on the scene. Uh, he, I don't think he's overlapped with Marco Robbie at all, has he? Not yet. And Christian Bale and Margot Robbie have not overlapped, I don't think. No. Unless no. you count the big short, and Margot Robbie was only in that movie mm. in a bathtub drinking champagne, so I don't think that... They never like acted on screen together. Correct, correct, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say this would be their first run-in, uh, uh, like as if, um, you know, like in Thomas the Tank Engine, where all the tracks are coming and someone built it wrong, <laughs> like, psh, like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they slam into each other. The perfect analogy. That's a, that's what's going to happen in this movie, I think. So I'm excited. I think this is great. I. I'm very excited and can't wait to see what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of power casts, we got a bunch of them, Kirk. Here's another one. Mad Max Fury Road is getting a prequel based mm-hmm. on Furiosa. This is something we've known about for a long time. Charlize Theron's iconic character, Furiosa. Charlize Theron slayed that role and that movie is so good. And so they're prequeling it. And the prequel cast has Anya Taylor-Joy as Furiosa. Yes. And Chris Hemsworth and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Oh, my gosh. That cast, dude, is stacked as well. Who is Chris Hemsworth playing? I don't know. Is he Mad Max? No. No. There's no way. I'm not even going to say that. There's no way. It can't be. No, I don't think so. I don't know. And, and Yahya, man. Oh. This is going to be good. It's going to be it's going to be great. I think uh, Dude, that um, guy, we'll talk about Yaya Abdul-Mateen later. I I know for a fact we will. That dude can flat act. Yes, he can. He is good. In the Trial of Chicago 7 and of course Watchmen, probably his dude, debut. Dude, Watchmen? Yeah. His character Cal is so good. He is so fantastic. I in that show, I think one of the main things you walk away from that show with is like who is this guy? Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Yes. Um but that cast is stacked. Though you have to mourn for the loss of Charlize Theron. It would have been nice for her to be involved in this in some way. I don't know how, but I feel like it would have been. Flash forwards, cool. flashbacks, even if it was minimal. Yeah, she was even vocally bummed because she really enjoyed that character. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, there's so many like, you know how you get these stories whenever people just like own a role you get these stories of like, oh man, they did this crazy thing. There are like all these stories of like, um, Charlize Theron doing uh, doing their her own stunts and like getting dirt under her fingernails and like getting cut up and stuff like that and like makeup would come out to try to clean her up and she was like nah dog I'm good like I want to be marred up I want to be scratched up like this is yeah. this helps me stay in character so uh, yeah it will be awesome and Anya Taylor Joy is one of the one of the bright spots in that god awful New Mutants movie that we watched so. I'm excited for her. She's actually getting a lot of play right now because she's in that new show on Netflix, The Queen's Gambit, about the yes. chess, um, which a lot of people are watching. And she has been in a couple of other movies, and I think she's an up-and-comer too. So this is this is exciting. Yep, she was in um, uh, Split and Glass, the image. Yes, that that's was, right. That was probably her biggest debut. Um, and she's great. She's very 
she's very fascinating with her acting choices and mm-hmm. she she always looks a bit mysterious like what's good she's got these big eyes and like she's like, up to something yes you're like <laughs> yes. what are you trying to tell me yeah so i'm excited for her too yeah okay this and this last casting news trumps all this is the trump card um this is the one that really will knock you out of your chair so i okay, would suggest that you fortify yourself right now wherever you're listening to this i'm ready I'm ready okay so adam mckay who is a big time director has directed some good comedies like Talladega Nights and Anchorman and stuff like that. Also directed The Big Short. Yes. And he's make, he's getting some play. He directed Vice. Um, his new film called Don't Look Up, which is going to be on Netflix. Listen to this cast, Kirk. And this okay. is real. This is not fake. This is not hashtag fake news. For the podcast listeners, I'm standing up so I don't fall out of my chair. That's right. That's smart. Smart play. Leonardo DiCaprio. Jennifer. Oh, Kirk is unconscious. He just passed out. All right. If it's well, Leo. That was, if that it's was quick. Leo, if it's Leo. <laughs> it Leonardo DiCaprio. Jennifer Lawrence. Rob Morgan. Meryl Streep, aka the goat. Kate Blanchett, aka the junior goat. Jonah Hill. Himesh Patel. Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong. That's, Ari- yes. Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Matthew Perry. This is where it gets weird. That's the cast. That's great. I- I'll take everyone but Kate Blanchett, please. I just don't Ooh, like her. Oh, Kirk. <laughs> you can go wash your mouth out with soap. How mm-hmm. dare you? Nope. I don't like her. I don't like her one She's bit. the queen. She's the queen. Okay. I know she played the queen in a movie. She's played lots of queens. <laughs> Yes. She's played a queen many times. But Fake queens, real queens. Anyways, everyone in that cast minus Kate Blanchett is the best. Really? And Kid Cudi over over Kate Blanchett. Ariana Grande over Kate Blanchett. Matthew every Perry, time. Kirk. Get real. Hey. Grow hey, up. Matthew Perry, have you seen him in seventeen again? He's just fantastic. Oh my. Yes, I have. I did. <laughs> I did see that. But what is this cast, Kirk? And what is this movie going to be? I don't know. I have no clue. Uh, and if those, let me tell you, because the big short had Selena Gomez and she was only in it for like, what, a minute, if that? Very, very Same short. with Margot Robbie. If any of these big names are that, if Meryl Streep's only in this movie for one minute, I'm going to send a, uh, what do they call those? A glitter bomb to Adam McKay's house that just shoots glitter all over him because that would be so unbelievably cruel. Yes. And he announced this himself. He put it out there. He was like, here's the cast of my movie. So this would be squarely on his shoulders if he pulls one of those. Yeah. I just don't, I can't see him doing that, you know? Um, yeah. He's Dude, a but big... the big thing here is Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are like top build. What? Yeah, acting next to each other. And J-Law's on a bit of a dry spell right now. She hasn't had a big... We know what she's capable of, and she hasn't had like a big, big movie in a while, and she's due. She's due, my friend. Her problem was she got like um, romantically involved with like that director guy. Was it Aronofsky? Oh, the guy... Yeah, Aronofsky, Darren Darren Aronofsky. fine i just think that sometimes when you have she was in those like experimental horror type you know like auteur 
type yes. movies like Mother, Mother. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, which is great. Like, try things. You know, uh, you can't have a winner every time uh, unless you're <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. So, uh, so yeah. Once she pairs true. up with him, I'm sure that you know when you get on other people's level, uh, like when you're the, when you're the top dog in the game in, on, on top billing. Sometimes you can you relax a little bit and you say, "Oh, you know, I, I've done this before. I'm good." But then it it's more challenging when you step up to people, vets of the business who never slow down and never slack off. So that should be good for her trajectory and momentum. And she's incredible. She's yes. so good. Yes, she's she such is. a good actor. It's insane. I, um, I think she needs this little boost, which would be great. Yeah, let's put her next to Leo. Let's light the fire. It's going to be wild. I can't oh, wait. Yeah. Um, okay, last thing. We got a Raya and the Last Dragon trailer, full trailer. Would mm-hmm. you call that a full trailer? Was it a teaser? It was like the first trailer um, mm-hmm. from Disney Animation Studios starring Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. What's your take on this trailer, Kirk? Looks fun. Uh, the, the first thought I had was um degrassi i thought of cassie Steele uh, getting <laughs> poor cassie re- Steele removed from uh the main role i was like you know like what yeah. happened awkward uh, i still want to know more details on that and i can't find it anywhere um we'll get but, it in the cassie Steele autobiography 10 years from now uh it'll say cassie Steele. Whatever it takes is going to be the title. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, so I, I want to know those details. So my mind was clouded with that. Not going to lie, because I I'm a huge fan of Degrassi: The Next Generation. Uh, but I will say I lo- I thought the trailer was fun. I thought it was unique enough. Um, it looked a little DreamWorksy, so that was kind of off-putting. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I don't know why I was like expecting music. I hope it's not because it's just like a female protagonist and that's kind of what Disney Animation Studios does. Um, I don't think that's why. It just like kind of looked like a movie that would have musical number. It looks a lot like Moana to me. Just yeah. in just in like the art direction. The color palettes are totally different. Um, this this one is definitely, you can tell it's set in a different region, has some different in- inspirations and things like that. Like Moana is super bright, and this is like a little bit darker, a little bit richer in terms of color. So it doesn't remind me of it in that way, but the character design is like even the animals and stuff looks pretty similar, which makes sense. It's the same studio, but it doesn't look like Wreck It Ralph. Like Wreck It Ralph looks like a movie that wouldn't have music in it, you know? Right. Yep. But this movie kind of looks like a musical to me, mm-hmm. which is odd. Because yeah. it doesn't have any music at all. Uh, yeah, uh, kind of what you said there at the top. It was, uh, you know, it's a female protagonist. Maybe they want to change it up and not have uh, music in this just to see how it plays. Um, yeah, I which is fair. Yeah, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited about it. Disney Animation Studio has been, they've been killing it. Ever since uh, they kind of reorged, um, I feel like they've been slamming it with all of their movies. Like, obviously, Frozen. Moana, the Wreck-It Ralph movies, I think, are pretty good. Uh, Both one and two, yeah. All the Toy Story yeah. sequels. Uh, I just feel there's no clunkers for sure. There, you know, there's like, yeah, I like this one. Whereas, like, that, Pixar, but. Pixar took a little while to like get like back in stride after John Laster, like, was transitioning away to go work on like Disney Animation Studios, and they were like reorging. Like, they did a couple of sequels that were still good, but like, 
not the best Pixar movies and, and things like that. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Uh, this movie looks good. I think it does look good. Agreed. Whatever Let's review a film, Kirk. Let's review a film. Let's do it. And this film is called The Trial of the Chicago 7, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. I thought, I thought it was interesting that this is actually only the second feature film that Aaron Sorkin has directed Whoa. behind Molly's Game. And Molly's Game came out in 2018. Um, let me fact check myself. It's either two or three. He has not directed many films. So this was, uh, this was an exciting thing to see, you know, kind of like, okay, he's had his directorial debut. Where does he go from here? And another interesting thing about this movie before we dive in is that this thing has been in various stages of like, production and talks for like decades legitimately like all different kinds of people have been connected to this movie tons of different actors like seth rogan was attached to it at some point um all tom hanks was attached to it at some point like there are so many different names and different directors that were involved so was it going to be Ron Howard or something like that? Ron Howard was part was partially involved at some point. Yeah, because in in the works for so long. I, uh, so I'm watching the news. Yes. Six or something, and in episode like five, they reference for a long period of time the two of the main seven characters in this movie i was like whoa wait oh wow you know uh so i was i was baffled obviously he was already right because newsroom was like 2012 so this thing was it started working in 2010 so he's like sneaking it in there like this is great (laughs) my movie's gonna come out in 2013 and we're gonna have a good time here no 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 yeah so i did confirm that this is only the second feature film that Aaron Sorkin has directed Molly's Game and then this one. So we'll keep that in mind as we go through our review. Um, do you want to synopsis it? Do you want me to synopsis it? I think it's anybody's game at this point. Oh, it's Molly's Game, Cameron. It's Molly's <laughs> It's Molly's Game at this point. Uh, yeah, I'll synopsis it. It's based on a go for it. true story, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, don't, know, don't remember the year. Do you remember the year? 1968, because it was the Democratic National Convention. Democratic National Convention. There were protests. They became violent. And they found that there were certain people from different protest groups that converged together to incite this violence, or so they thought. That was the case from the state, uh, that these these seven uh, kind of eight people came together and they brought everyone to the convention in order to cause chaos, to cause violence, uh, unrest, uh, civil disobedience, the, the whole gambit. And so how timely that we have this film drop when um, those very same things are happening in 2020 that were in 1968. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of, it's quite wild for sure. Yeah, and Aaron Sorkin even said that because it, it obviously did come out at a time that it seemed really timely. You know, it's election time. We've got, you know, some... You know some racial injustice issues going on that are that are causing rioting. There's you know it's just very it seems very appropriate for the times. And he was kind of asked about that, and he's like, "No, man, this thing's been in the works for like years. The times just happened to catch up with what's going on and made this even more impactful 
than it probably would have been maybe in another year. So um, pretty interesting how that lined up. Just to set the stage, we've got uh, a lot of different actors in this cast that I feel like are worth mentioning because we can't name them all in our superlatives. Eddie Redmayne plays Tom Hayden. Sasha Baron Cohen plays Abby Hoffman. Jeremy Strong plays Jerry Rubin. We've got Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who we mentioned earlier, who plays Bobby Seal, who is this Black Panther leader who gets kind of thrown into this case, even though he wasn't directly involved with the Chicago 7. Yes. Um, Academy Award winner Mike Rylance. Mark Rylance plays uh, the defense attorney William Kunstler, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the state's attorney, Richard Schultz. Anybody else? Michael Keaton's in this movie. He has a relatively small role as the former attorney general of the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anybody else? Um, some big, some heavy hitters in this movie for sure. For sure. So many people. So many people. Cool. Well, let's let's dive into it. Kirk, do you want to go first with your Oscar goes to? I would love to. Thank you, kind sir. I'm going to go with Mr. Sasha Baron. Ooh, Cohen. I like this pick. Yes. Uh, so I. A couple, maybe I guess it must have just been last year. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen was in a Netflix series called The Spy, uh, where yes. he plays like this double agent. Um, it was very different to see him take on that kind of role, and I loved it. I thought he smashed that role. Uh, he's had very few um, dramatic roles. This one, this role that he takes on uh, playing Abby Hoffman, he plays um, a basically a a civil rights activist who is one of the co-leaders of what's called uh, what's nicknamed as the yippies in the 1960s. And he really, it really plays to his strengths because he has a purpose and a cause and he is sarcastic. He gets to use all of his sarcasm against (laughs) the leaders and what they're doing right and wrong, mostly wrong. So I just thought that his range is so much wider than people limit him to like him or hate him as, uh, as Borat and Ali G um, and any other role where he's played kind of uh, a gross out comedian, which is really, he's playing the part of the archetype, the clown. Uh, yes. If you think about that. So, it's really great if you see him in this and if you see him in, um, uh, in the spy, I, I just thought that he was, he was a rock star in this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, I don't think people realize, is just incredibly gifted as an actor and as a performer. He has, honestly, a lovely singing voice. He's great on the stage. He's great in front of a camera. He is just multifaceted and incredible. And I think that just because he does, like, the silly, like, hysterical type of comedy that's way out there, people kind of demote him to that. But he is... He's really gifted, and and it was it was nice to see him in this element where he got to shine, like you said. So that's a good pick. Um, for my Oscar, I'm giving it to someone who's already won an Oscar, Mr. Eddie Redmayne, hey, um, who played Tom Hayden, who is sort of. It's hard to call him the main character, but he's the one who drives a good portion of the dialogue in this movie and a good portion of the plot. Um, really loved what he did with character choices for this. He felt like a very real person and he was not at all like himself in my opinion. So that was what was really interesting to me. Like he took, he is a method actor of sorts. Um, he will, he really lives with the character whenever he does a performance and 
the micro like not expressions but mannerisms and you know even the way that he walked um the physical acting his facial expressions it was almost like he he transformed into a totally different person which is crazy to watch it's sometimes so hard to separate someone from who they are and their celebrity but it was not hard in this case to do that with Eddie Redmayne and and I find that he's often in that boat I thought I mean he's obviously an incredible actor um hasn't gotten a lot of good roles lately so I was glad to see him in this because I really do just think he's fantastic and he owned this man he was really good from start to finish so Mm -hmm. definitely have to go with Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden Yep, I personally think him and Jupiter Ascending was uh, way better than this. But <laughs> big I, Jupiter Ascending guy, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, he was he was way better than that. Uh, but <laughs> you're right, man. He is a, he is literally a shapeshifter. He is very smart in um, paying close attention close attention to the physical aspect of a character. Because if you look at every person in your life some of the best jokes when you're making fun of someone behind their back is that when you're kind of <laughs> exaggerating something that they do, uh, whether it's with their speech, but a lot of the time it's how you stand and emotion that you make that the person makes. So, uh, that kind of study of a person, they're a plus in my, in my book. That's uh, something that I love, uh, uh, about actors when they really touch base on how a person stands and moves and, moves their eyes and nose and mouth. It's, it's well, yeah, hard. and his speech pattern too, man. His <sighs> speech pattern was so interesting. It was familiar. Like It was almost like you could be like, man, I know somebody who talks like that. And he mm-hmm. captured every little micro portion of that speech pattern. It was so insane to listen to. It yeah. was absolutely insane. So he was truly brilliant in my opinion. Yep. Um, let's move on to scene stealer. Who, who uh, shocked you or knocked your socks off in their limited time on screen, Kirk? Yeah, yeah. Abdul Mateen II. Yeah, buddy. You know him from Watchmen. We said it at the top of the show. Um, what I liked about Watchmen is uh, there, he, he basically gets to play two characters in that, mo- in that show. Um, mm-hmm. And at times in that show, he he's a little bit limited in staying stoic and staying like this pure minded being with uh, who's like all knowing. So what I liked about this is that he got to explore a, f- a real full scope of a person. Um, and like I say all the time, he did it with flying colors. It was really remarkable to see what he did in every scene every scene was just a little bit different he really mapped out his uh his super objective for the film and really pinpointed all of his individual uh minors minor objectives throughout uh and just you know in acting you don't act a feeling you you act in action so instead of be sad you need to um to attack you know maybe you're maybe you're actually angry maybe your anger is motivating that so you could see action in every motion that he did and i just loved watching him yeah it's a great call he was my pick too he was my pick and there were a lot of options i mean i read the cast earlier there were a lot of options but for me it had to be yaya abdul mateen the second he something you hit on in, in this movie because of the situation that his character finds himself in he spends most of the movie very angry And what I loved was that it wasn't always the same anger and he didn't have a ton of dialogue, but the way that he 
would convey to you the exact thoughts that were going on in his character's mind by the way that he expressed his anger or his seriousness was really impressive. And actually, there were more than a few scenes where he gave me goosebumps, but in particular, there is a scene where he's talking with Tom Hayden and William Kunstler in, um, you know, like a holding facility. And he, Bobby Seale and Yahya Abdul-Mateen, I guess, both are choosing their words very carefully. They're not saying a ton. They're like listening. And then they, he, he delivers, you know, a couple lines back. And man, that is the true definition of a scene stealer. In that scene, he... This movie has a couple of different messages and themes that are going on, and he owns one of them completely and solely by himself. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, he delivers sort of like the finishing blow, like the hit home moment of that theme, and he does so just extraordinarily well. Um, so he was my pick, and he's continuing to get cast in more things. This is why. He's an incredible actor, and he's going to continue to blow us away for years and years to come, hopefully. Yep. So stay tuned for uh, next week's episode when he wins the Oscar again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to Showstopper, Kirk. What notes do you have for Mr. Sorkin? What things did he do well? I have one word. This was so simple. Pacing. That's mm-hmm. it. His pacing is incredible. Um, he's only directed two of the many films that he's written, and the pacing is always perfect in every one that I've seen. And it's exceptionally better when he gets to be behind the camera. Molly's Game did the same thing. Incredible pacing. It never slowed down. And when it did, it slowed down on purpose and not too much. Uh, I've stressed so hard, even just uh, last last week uh, on, uh, what was it, Enola Holmes, right? Or last, last, last week. (laughs) Where where, uh, the pacing just like hits this strange plateau. Pacing. Pacing, pacing, pacing is so important. Building the momentum properly. He is a story sculptor. I love you, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. So I'm going to take... It's Mine's very similar to yours. I, I called it momentum. You called it pacing. I think I'm calling it momentum specifically because... And we're going to talk about more uh, legal dramas later. It's a tough genre. It's a tough genre because it is dry subject matter for the most part to to the layman i think there are things happening that are dry and there is terminology and there is you know you know a standard operating procedure in court and so whenever you're doing something where a large portion of the movie takes place in a literal courtroom you have to find creative ways inventive ways to keep the energy up keep the momentum flowing and he did so in this movie by using flashbacks, by using um, you know sidebars with the legal counsel, by using um, really great score in this movie. The score helped him do that. I just think even over Molly's Game, which was three years ago now, there was a noticeable leap in his directing prowess. I think he learned some things in that movie, which is still a fantastic movie. I love Molly's Game. Um, but there were some things that he picked up on that he could do better this time to make it flow a little bit more. And the fact that he was able to keep me locked in through a whole courtroom drama that's like two and a half-ish hours long, I think, um, that was really impressive, and he did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to director's shoes. Any negative notes or uh, 
let's call them constructive critiques for That's our right. friend, Mr. Sorkin. That's right, because he can do no wrong except for this. No. <laughs> his, uh, his stories are always concise. There's not a lot of extra fluff uh, because there's no room because he is a wordsmith. So the only thing that I wanted to see more is that he didn't pick his like big three. Um, uh, it's very easy to compare things with jaws cause it's such a good uh, blueprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your, your big three in jaws. Um, and it seemed like there should have been a big three in this film and they kind of leaned that way and then they're like oh yeah but let's not forget about this person let's not forget about this person when you do that you can have a whole ensemble cast um and and really have them all punch home but the words that the the, the, that aaron sorkin wrote led themselves to pick leaders within a group of leaders and it pinned it down to three and i just thought he should have focused on them a little bit more uh, to really, really have a left hook in this movie. So that's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to amp their their power and their, their leadership a little bit more. It could be, now it could be, sorry, uh, just one more thing, that sometimes when actors are, um, when, when the actors get there and the screenwriter, or the screenwriter sees them and they see, oh, oh, this is good. Uh, magic mm-hmm. is happening. There's an X factor with this actor and this character. Let's Let's amp this up. There could have been, Maybe there wasn't that exact magic, even though this movie was still wonderful. Um, that could be part of it. But I really wanted to see um, direct leaders in the group of seven. Do yeah. you like my hands this close to the camera? Yeah, Is I like the okay? hand talking. That's good. <laughs> that helps me connect the dots. I'm a big good. fan. Good. <laughs> good work Go there, Kirk. What's your point in direct <laughs> shoes? Uh, yeah, so my director shoes... Um, there were a couple of subplots that he dropped in there that did not come full circle specifically or, or did not become fully developed to the point that when they did come full circle, it wasn't ultra impactful. Um, so I think like the whole plot line with the attorney general and like what's going on with the Joseph Lord, Joseph Gordon Levitt character. I think that ends up falling a little bit short, which is interesting because that's actually the character that he uses to set up the movie. And so you feel like it's going to sort of like come full circle with him and it does in a way, but it just doesn't his character in that plot line and what's going on with the state side of the case, like didn't really click as cleanly as I would have liked. Um, I would say I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. I think I think okay. there are a couple of other examples, but I don't want to spoil the movie, and I don't want to... I mean, I know it's historical nonfiction and all that stuff, but I don't really... You know, I didn't know much about this case going into it because, I don't know, I'm an idiot or something. I don't know, I don't know anything. I didn't know anything oh, about it going is in. It be, is it because you were born almost 30 years after this <laughs> occurred? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, um, I don't want to drop anything that could blow it. So I thought that there were a lot of plot lines that he did really well. I thought the main themes and messages of the movies hit home really well. I thought it was very good. But there were a few subplots that either were dropped in that maybe shouldn't have been or dropped in and then not really beefed up enough. And so I just think that there were there was some room for improvement there. But that's it's nitpicky. I'll be honest. It's nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to final thoughts and then let's score the trial of the Chicago 7. 
um, very simple. I've I've spoken my piece about this movie, and uh, he's the master of pacing. He's the master of words. Uh, Mr. Sorkin, I give you nine point five kernels out of ten. Ooh, 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 ooh! Big time. Like it. Nine point five. Boom. I like it. Short and sweet too. Um, I don't think it's any secret to anybody who listens to this podcast that I'm a fan of Mr. Sorkin's work. Uh, Moneyball is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, the Social Network, I think, is brilliant. I've watched The Newsroom. I've watched The West Wing. I think, you know, he does a good job. I would say the main critique of Aaron Sorkin, and it's a fair one, no doubt, is that he uses the benefit of hindsight to make his characters' conversations more witty and uh, more impactful, and he uses it, you know, in the, in the case of The Newsroom, to make them sort of like all-knowing in a way, yeah, you know, yeah. like they, they have the ability to see the future, um, which is cool because if you're making a movie about something that's historical, you do want to you do want to leverage that and you do want to make it cool. We know that these guys probably weren't as quick-witted. Maybe they were, uh, as, as Mr. Sorkin leads them to believe, but what I'm getting at is that I think in this movie, he actually reined that in a little bit more than usual. He seemed slightly more disciplined on that front. Um, the characters felt more real. And while they were quick and while they had retorts that were ready to go and really clever dialogue, it didn't feel quite as Hollywood as Mm -hmm. it does in, say, Molly's Game, for example. Um, So it didn't feel like, look at me, I'm Aaron Sorkin, look how smart I am, look how good I can write, which sometimes it can come off that way. Um, But like I said, big fan. All that is to say, I thought the movie was good. I thought there were a couple of things, like I said, in my director's shoes that didn't catch my attention or reach the bar that I would have expected from him. Um, It's a little bit nitpicky, but I'm dropping him just short of 9.0. I'm putting him at 8.9 out of 10. This is a movie that you definitely must watch, especially in 2020 with it being sort of like a dead movie year. It's very, very good. I... I don't know how the Oscar situation is going to pan out, but if I was picking Oscar nominations right now, this one would be nominated for Best Picture based on what I've seen. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's very good. 8.9 out of 10. Gorgeous. All right. You Let's move. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, let's move on to our schoolyard pick of legal dramas. You know, this is... We started off saying courtroom dramas, which is a very small genre and leaves you with a very small subset of films, some of which are not very good. So we we changed it slightly to legal dramas, which is a movie that has a large legal component to it. And I mean, well, I'll just say it. One of mine is kind of not a drama, but it's in there. Okay. I'm just saying that. So let's get down to it, Kirk. I actually get to go first. Dang it. Because you synopsed, and you volunteered to synopse. You've done this yourself. Fine. I have the high ground. Uh, I'm taking the social network. How dare you? Sorry, Kirk. I know that one hurts. How dare you? I actually just watched this movie the other night. I watched it before that, like, pretty recently. Like, I've watched it a couple times recently. The thing that I was just talking about with Aaron Sorkin kind of, like, making his characters really quick-witted and sometimes almost unbelievably quick-witted in the social network it works because they're all like geniuses yes you know so you're you're not like blown away by the conversations that they're having like all these kids go to harvard and 
one of them like made the largest social media monster company in the world. So it, it really works there. And it's directed by David Fincher. They have tons of legal jargon. I mean, the whole movie takes place around like multiple different depositions and civil cases about, you know, these huge amounts of money for settling the who owns the rights to Facebook and all that. And they make it really interesting and really compelling and just masterful with the flashback tool. Yes. So it's very good. I love the social network. It's so great. Um, I also love the social network. I um, It was on my top five uh, favorite movies of all time. Last time Ouch. we I'm talked so in the sorry. episode. Um, <laughs> I am going to send you a glitter bomb <laughs> myself. No, don't send me a glitter bomb. We need to save all our glitter bombs for Adam McKay on the off chance that he only puts Meryl Streep in that movie for one minute. Think of it as a test run, Cam. Uh, it's coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my, my choice. Um, another Aaron Sorkin um, a play that turned into Ooh. a screenplay, A Few Good Men. Ooh, you dirty dog. That was going to be my second pick. Uh, not anymore. I have taken it from you. I've swept it from underneath your feet like you stole Social Network out of my heart. <laughs> so A Few Good Men. Um, man, I I watched this movie. Um, I kept catching it on TBS, and then I told my parents I was like 11. I said, hey, I need to watch this movie. It looks really good, and it seems important. And they're like, okay, yeah. So they let me rent it from, I think, like the grocery store when they had mo- uh, movies in the grocery store rentals. And man, uh, so iconic, so powerful, so good. It's And that's got a cast, right? I mean, you've got Tom Cruise. Yes. You've got... Um, it's got iconic lines. You Incredible. can't handle the truth. Oh, there's so there's so many. You need me on that line. You know, it's it's so good. Uh, that's one. If that pops up on TBS, I will watch it to to its full end. I'll watch all the commercials too. So, a few good men for the win. Good pick. Um, man, that was going to be one of mine. You dirty dog. Uh huh. I'll pick one that I watched pretty recently and I thought was incredible. Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men. Um. This is a movie that takes place in one room. It's a juror's room. They're they're convening. Um, it's very interesting. It's an iconic film. Really great acting performances. Really good through line. Um, I think the the um, the sort of like main theme and the main driving message is something that has been copycatted a few times or or paid homage to in modern films. Um, there are a lot of times where I'll be watching a movie now and I'll be like, oh man, they got that from 12 Angry Men. Like that's the same story. It's the same plot line. Um, it's really good. It, it, it's talking about a movie maintaining momentum with dry subject matter. Like 12 Angry Men literally takes place in one room and they have to keep the momentum up, keep the pacing up and they do it. It's, it's pretty impressive and Mm -hmm. very much worth a watch, even though it's an older film. Yes, I should and, say, uh, especially because it's an older film. Yes, uh, Jack Lemmon. Um, yes, is, is it Jack Lemmon? Oh no, yeah, is it right? Or is Don Lemmon? Is it Fonda? Is it Henry Fonda? Henry Fonda. Isn't That's it? who I wanted to say. Who it was? Juror number. I'm terrible 12. with older. Yes, he's juror number twelve. With old white men? Is that was that what you're having? No, with, with older older actors. I am so oh, yeah. bad with their names. I'm just like, yep, that sounds like an old person's <laughs> name. I love both of those actors, but yes. Uh, no, no lemons in that movie. Mr. Fonda. Yeah. No. Yeah. Henry Fonda is in there. He's juror. He's juror eight, though. Oh. 
Yeah, right. he's kind of like the manger, though. He's the guy who drives the whole... That's right, that's right. I thought he was yeah. 12. Never mind. Um, you were like juror number eight. I think we heard about your story at some point along our history of the podcast. Yeah, where you, it's true you, where I was... You convinced, hey, everybody, let's talk about... Uh, uh, what's what's the phrase? Oh, the letter of the law, man. Yes. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Innocent so. until proven guilty. Reasonable doubt. You know, you you were juror number eight. And so I love that movie. I love it. I have to say that that whole experience terrified me. One of my biggest fears, uh, one of my college buddies, uh, Jake, one time was like, my biggest fear is being in the wrong place at the wrong time, like getting mm -hmm. convicted or like getting tried for something that I didn't do. And it never hit me until he said it. But I was like, yes, that is terrifying. First yeah. of all, because I get very defensive all the time. And so if I was ever accused of something I legit didn't do, I would sound like an insane maniac. <laughs> and now my new fear is because I was in a jury room for a guy who clearly was not proven guilty by the evidence. I mean, not even close. Mm -hmm. And like six out of the 12 jurors that were there were ready to book this guy and i was like holy crap if it was not for like me and three other people in that room it would have been an interesting day man scary uh, scary stuff dude. <laughs> i stay, mean i like the, i like the u.s legal system but holy crap yeah man stay in school because that's the only reason that that guy was able to i'm get telling you man i'm telling correctly. you um my next pick and we're running out of picks is gonna be uh, Aaron Brockovich. You, dude, I think we're fighting over the, like the same eight movies and we're going to get down to two movies at the end and there's going to be nothing left. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, go ahead. I, I, um, I feel like when I was younger, I accidentally like walked in on my parents watching Aaron Brockovich and it was like, bleep, 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 you know, for, <laughs> I was like, Oh wow. You know, you know, you just, <laughs> You're like I was like a weird, you know, like a like a little little turd, eleven year old. They're like, oh, I'm gonna go watch and listen to the f words, and I think that uh, because I was so scared of the of the yelling of my parents uh, that I didn't watch it for 20 more years. I probably watched it last year, <laughs> and and man, man, is it good? Man, yes. does Julia Roberts just smoke that role? Uh, all does. around well structured can't believe it's based on a true story and that that woman is alive today like it's crazy so Aaron Brockovich all the way it's one of those movies that it's a story you have to like to because it's like the story of the underdog it's like it's mm -hmm. like anybody who is like a cog in the wheel can make a difference you know and I think that's why it resonates you know it's kind of like the American dream it's like you're never too small you always matter it's, it's a good That's one right. for that reason. That's right. It's it's so good. All right, my next one. I'm gonna take Michael Clayton. Cool. Yeah, Michael Clayton is very slick, very smooth for like a like a. I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe this movie. It almost has like a spy, like noir type feel to it. Um, the opening scene of that movie is very cool, and George Clooney emanates cool. So the whole thing, like the subject matter could be dry if you were just like reading it to somebody and saying like, here's what we're trying to do in this movie. But it's, it's done in a very slick way and it's well-directed. I think it was nominated for some Oscars. It was, it was yep. I just liked it. It was, it was one of those movies. I just like had heard the name many times, but had no idea what it was about. And I threw it on one night and I was like, 
oh, hey, I'm like totally here for this. So definitely Michael Clayton. Beautiful choice. That was not on my list only because I haven't seen it. I Thank need goodness. <laughs> my next pick is going to be The Client. We can all Ooh, think. That one's not on my list, Kirk. We might be all right. We're we good. We might be okay. We can thank John Grisham for so many of these uh, these these legal dramas because, man, is <laughs> yes. he a wizard. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Susan Sarandon, Brad Renfro. This movie, uh, as they say with music, slaps. This movie slaps. It does it's, slap. Uh, uh, it's everything you want and more in a 90s movie. I think Anthony Edwards, a.k.a. Dr. Green from ER, also has a small role in this. Uh, it, it's just great. It's it's a fantastic story. It it keeps you on your toes. There's tons of twists and turns. Um, the, basically, Brad Renfro um, witnesses the death of a mafia lawyer, and then the, he just tries to not get killed the rest of the movie. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's fantastic because uh, I love the mafia. Uh, I, in a way, I wish I was closer to it uh, just so I could see it. Uh, but thankful that I'm not because I'd probably be dead because. Uh, I'm I'm weak. That's that's all I gotta say. So the client, <laughs> love it. Good pick. Am I on four? Are we in four now? No clue. I've lost count. Go ahead. That was your third, right? That was your third. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I am. Ooh, this is tough. All right, this one's borderline. I'm going with liar, liar. <laughs> yeah. Does that count? Does that count? <laughs> hey man, it, it all takes place in a courtroom, and it's one case. So yeah. Absolutely. Is it a comedy though, or is it a drama? It's it has a, it has feels, you know, like it, it has real earliest form of uh, dramedy. I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it was ahead of its time in that way. I feel like Liar Liar, um, Jim Carrey man. That's a good one. He does the claw in that one. <laughs> <laughs> this was when he was like totally in his prime. Yep. Um, just killing it. And this movie was great. It's got everything you can eat. It's got laughs. It's got heartwarming storylines. It's, you know, Ma it's about how, it's about how lawyers lie all the time, which is great. Um, Mara Tierney. Yeah. It's great. very relatable. It's a great movie. I, and nothing else to say about it other than that. I love it. I love Liar Liar. Pants on Fire. I'm going to pick Primal fear Ooh, good one i gotta say had i seen this closer to when this movie came out so like in the 80s i think i hope it was in the 80s it probably, yeah, probably. wasn't um this has uh, richard gear and uh, edward norton and had i i feel like if i had seen it when it came out i would never have guessed the twist um, but I saw it in an age where I've seen many movies with many twists. So I kind of guessed the ending and I was very happy with that ending still. So there's very few movies where you're, <laughs> where you're like, I know where this is going. Yeah. There it is. No, this one was, I think it's going this way and I hope it does. And it did. And 1996, then, by the way. Oh yeah. Just the eighties, you know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the very, very late eighties, uh, the, the uh, the twist on this and the payoff for the reveal, excellent, excellent. Money. So since it was made so long ago, um, I don't want to I don't want to ruin it for anyone. So go watch Primal Fear. I've not seen it. I've not seen Primal Fear. Well, I love Richard Gere. It's here's what one. happens, Cam. You ready? <gasps> well, now I know there's a big twist, <laughs> and it's one that you could have guessed, and that's going to keep me awake at night. I'm going to text it to you. No, don't do it. Don't do it, Kirk. <laughs> All right. My final pick. 
I am going to go with Just Mercy. Hey, yeah, a recent one. Recent one, Just Mercy. I really like this movie. I, you already know my thoughts on this movie. I'm not going to bore you with the details. <laughs> if you don't know my thoughts on this movie, you should go back and listen to our episode about Just Mercy. How about that? Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I really enjoyed it. I thought Jamie Foxx was incredible. I thought Michael B. Jordan was really good. I thought everybody. What not Rob Morgan in that one to you and O'Shea Jackson? Oh, maybe. Yeah, Rob Morgan's in that. He's the shapeshifter. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he's not a shapeshifter in the movie. It's not a sci-fi movie. Mm. Um, but Rob oh, Morgan himself is capable of shift, shifting his appearance to look like anyone. He's incredible. Um, so, yeah, Just Mercy. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, my final one is going to be... This is a tough one. Yes. Because it's between Tom Cruise and Matt Damon. Uh, so Oof. that's just not fair. Oof. But I already have Tom Cruise in one of mine, so I'm going to give Matt Damon his 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 day mm-hmm. in court, Cameron. I'm gonna give him- <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we just lost all of our listeners. It's over. See. Yeah, it's over. The episode's over. Just quit. The We're followers done. are running away right now. Um, the Rainmaker with Matt Damon. Ah, oh, The Rainmaker. Yeah, man. Oh, shout out John Voight. John Voight. I'm sorry, not John Boy, uh, John Grisham. John Grisham and Aaron Sorkin own this market of content and stories. So, uh, really, it's we we have to thank them. Otherwise, we would have no no courtroom dramas. That's true. And where would we be without that, Kirk? We wouldn't even be doing this squared pick right now. It'd be no. a very different world. I don't um, want to be in that world. <laughs> my sixth pick. No, I'm just kidding. I'm done. Right? We're done. Yeah, I just have a, an honorable mention, and it's not Me too. really. Oh, good. It's Let's say not... it on three. One, oh. two, three. To kill a mockingbird. <laughs> you didn't do it. You didn't do it, Kirk. What in the world? I left you out to dry. Uh, no, mine is not actually a full movie. It's just a scene from a movie. What? So, yeah, you know. Um, what is it? You know, earlier you mentioned Matthew Perry, and I felt like that was just serendipitous because I wrote this down, you know, a week ago when we were trying to record this. I wrote down... The scene from 17 again at the end, uh-huh. <laughs> Zach Efron is in the courtroom and yeah. he's reading a piece of paper and it is some of Zach Efron's finest acting I've ever seen. Mm. And he's mm. in a courtroom and he does it. And man, did I cry with him. It's, it's beautiful. So if you haven't seen 17 again. No, it's a good move. It's a good moment. Go watch it right now. There's something wrong with you if you haven't seen it. It's a beautiful piece. I of feel story. like lots of people have seen that's like a rite of passage movie as well, right? It is. It's so good. It's it's basically uh, it's basically big, um, just for a yeah, or thirteen going on thirty, or you know, yeah. Freaky it's, Friday. I don't it's, know. It's reverse big. Uh, is really is really what it is because he is yes. big, and he he is uh, seventeen again, as the title explains. So uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> just dropping truth bombs and puns. Unbelievable! All I would never saw that coming. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that is a good one. And that is our show for today. Um, things to plug. I don't know. It's slow right now. I would say I finally finished after watching it for like five weeks. <laughs> I finished. I finished. Finally, Kirk. Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter. I finally finished it. It yeah. took. That movie is three hours long and I watched it in 33 minute chunks, I think. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I don't know why. You know how it is. When you have young kids, like. You don't get to just watch R-rated 
war content all the time. And, you know, Jackie is never up for that genre of movie. So it's just me on my own. And so I had to squeeze it in where I could. Also, you'll hear about it in my review that comes out later this week. But like the first hour of that movie is excruciatingly slow um, for good reason, but it is extremely slow. So it's brutal to get through. Anyway, I watched it. So that blog is coming later this week, hopefully. And the Mandalorian comes out on Friday, Kirk. The Mandalorian season two is back on Friday. We've had some inquiries about potentially doing a Disney plus group watch. We Um, have, we have, we have. This is great. Um, So we might do that. Keep an eye on social media. I don't know. Um, I think the group watch, you can only like send emojis to each other. So I don't know like how worth it it is to do that, but we'll try to figure something out. We will have some exciting stuff going on for the Mandalorian, even if it's just us posting about it and talking about it, you know, next episode. So stay tuned for that. We will be watching with you all on Friday, whether in person via the group watch or, or I should say virtually via the group watch or in spirit. We are with you in our hearts. That's right. And the, the force is with you as well. Um, That's majestic. Chef's kiss. It's beautiful. Uh, anything else to add, Kirk? Or should we get uh, out of here? Uh, let's, it's, uh, it's after midnight. I'm, it's, it's after time. midnight. You know that song by Eric Clapton? We gonna let it all hang out. You know yes. That song? Yes, I do. Yeah, yes. after midnight. Um, anyway, on that note, we will give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and our original music is by the group rhetoric check those guys out on spotify apple music and anywhere else and we will talk to you guys probably in two weeks talk to you then